share a message with you, um, and I, I've entitled it The Power of Right Relationships. And uh, this isn't a series, it's just kind of a standalone message, but as I was praying just about this season, I've got some things in my heart that I want to share with you today, because we're all in relationship with people, and relationships influence us, they make a difference, and uh, you know they make a massive difference in our life. But I think that there's also that we need to consider the quality of our relationships. And are these relationships actually adding value or taking value from us? It's really not that hard to define if we'll just take a moment and stop and kind of evaluate a few things. And uh, you know, and so. You know, even this last week, we've kicked off into groups. And so our fall group semester has kicked in. I would encourage you, if you haven't gotten into a group, it's never too late. I encourage you to get plugged in somewhere. Whether it's in a group, whether it's on a team, maybe it's in multiple places. Why? Because every one of those places that I just mentioned, whether it's on a team or in a group, that's a place to connect. Let me say it another way. It's a place to be known and a place to know people. And we shouldn't just be spectators. We, we're actually supposed to be a collective unit that all come together for a greater purpose. And so this morning, I really want to share kind of twofold about relationships. And number one is why you need good friends. Is That's one side of it. And number two, why you need to be a good friend. Sometimes we always want everybody else to be something that we ourselves don't really want to be. And so, but we want to be in, in, in right relationships with people. And so if you're like, hey, how do I get on a team? Discover 201, discover 101. You can sign up for all those things. You can find out about the church. You're like, well, how do I become a part of the family? That all happens through Discover. So we would encourage you, if you've not taken that step, you can jump into 201 today right after church. Um, but it is the idea of that we have to be known. And that's important. Is that it's easy to just kind of slip in and slip out week in and week out, but never build relationships. But let me ask you this. When everything hits the fan, who are you calling? Like in your spiritual family, who, who, who do you have their phone number? Like I, you know, I've shared this many times, but I had a situation when Max was small. My son, he fell off our countertop and he, his head hit the tile. And so there was all this, you know, hoopla around it. And it was valid. I'm not trying to minimize it. But my first call was number one to my dad and number two, it was to my pastor. And they both prayed for me in that moment. Why? Because I needed a voice and voices of people that could help give me some clarity in that moment. And not saying that we weren't you know, denying facts or anything like that, but they both basically told me the same thing. We're believing God that this is not going to be what they said. Because what they told me was that my son's brain was bleeding. And that I did not want him where he was. And they needed to fly him to where they could get some help. Well, that's a, that's a challenging moment. Anybody agree? I mean, my nine-month-old son, he looks fine. It was all good till he started throwing up all over the place. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, maybe we need to... And I was so thankful that I had people that I could call. And then after that, I started texting different people to say, hey, start praying. I'll fill you in later, but I just need, who would you call? Like, who are you connected with that could actually be a right relationship for the right moment? Because in those moments, you need people of faith to begin to tell you God's word and God's promises and to remind you. I had a pretty interesting moment because Dara flew in the helicopter with Max that day. 
I'm a little jealous still, but she flew in the helicopter and I drove. So she did high level flying and I did low level flying, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, and, and so, but I remember I put on my, cause I have worship lists, like just that I pray to different things. And I remember I put my worship list on and I got a couple songs in. I kept skipping songs, kept skipping the song. Cause it was like the song is not right for this moment. The other thing I realized that day was that my worship was really more me focused than it was Jesus focused. Had to make some adjustments. Right in that moment, I mean, there's all these things that are happening and yet, but these relationships really do matter. And you don't want to wait until you're in a tight spot or in a situation of chaos to say, I don't know anybody. Like, I don't have anybody who can tell me God's word, who can speak the truth of God's word into my life. And and so, you know, we believe that relationships really matter. Why? Because God uses the relationships around us to strengthen us. It's not just me and Jesus to the end. I mean, Jesus didn't even go around. You think about it. His whole life, he was with people. Yet he was the son of God and perfect and and all that that entails. And Jesus still had a crew. He still had people that he ran with. He still had people that he was developing and working with and people that were at times encouraging him. I mean, think about that. Jesus himself needed encouragement too. Now, if he did and was perfect, how much more do I? How much more do you as being just as human as the rest of us, right? But yet, uh, it is such a, a, a true thing that God uses people in our lives to help us, to strengthen us, to be there for us. And, and so, you know, and, and here's just the truth is that all relationships matter, There are no neutral relationships. Every relationship is either adding value to your life or it is taking value away. It's either pushing you forward or holding you back. And we need to define these relationships in our life. And look, and there's some relationships that you're investing in. And we need to do that. We need to have an outlet to give out what God is doing in us. But if we only ever give out and no one's ever investing in us, we become dry pretty quick. Why? Because you can't, I had somebody tell me this one time, is that you can't give from your undertow, you have to give out of your overflow. Well, if you're only draining the tank and never having anybody put anything in, it's just a matter of time until you burn out. And it's important that we have people to speak into our life. And so, here's the truth that I want to share with you, and this is one thing that, that, that I've seen to be true, uh, is this, is that God places people in our life for a few reasons. Or a few purposes, I should say. Number one is there's a specific reason that a person may come into your life. You ever had somebody come into your life for just like, seems like a split second. And they were there for that moment. And then it's like they just totally fell off your radar. But they were pivotal for that moment. Well, that's because God sent them there for that reason. Like there was a purpose. So some people come into your life for a reason. Some for a season. I've had good friends of mine that were just a season of my life. But it was just a season, some just for a moment. Some of them are lifetime friends, friends that I've had for decades now. But that's not always the norm. And so sometimes people come into my life, sometimes people exit my life. And then I have the few steadies that stay. That we're, you know, what I call my running mates. People that I started with that I want to finish with. I want to be old men sitting in a rocker somewhere together talking about what all God did in our lives. And that's our goal, you know, but who are those people for you? See, I believe that we need to have people ahead of us. We need to have people with us. 
In other words, I need to have people that I'm looking at that are where I want to be and say, how do I get there and teach me what you know? That takes humility for us to say, hey, I don't know everything. But then I also need to be looking behind me saying, who can I help to get into what God has for them? Because I may not know everything, but I do know a few things. If nothing else, I know what not to do. And sometimes what not to do is more important than what to do. Like, hey, I, I've been there and I, you know, some people say, I've been there, got the t-shirt. And the truth is, I've been there and I got the scars. So unless you want the scars, don't go there. Don't do that. Don't, you know, I mean, there's a lot of wisdom. And whether you think it or believe it or not, you actually have a lot of wisdom in your life. I don't care if you're 20, if you're 50, if you're 80. You have experienced it and you've seen even God work and that we have the ability to be able to share this. And here's another side of this is that sometimes we might need to release some people from our friend list. Why? Because those people are actually keeping us either where we are or taking us places that we don't want to be. And it doesn't always mean that they're a bad person. I mean, sometimes people do bad things. They're a negative influence. They're swaying us in areas that we don't need. But sometimes it's just like, hey, you know what? I've got a different place that I want to be. And so you have to release those people. You, and for me, this is very difficult because I'm a super loyal person. I mean, if we're friends, we're friends. Like, we're in it. And yet early in my Christian walk, the Lord, I knew that the Lord had been dealing with me about two specific friends. And I wouldn't obey and I wouldn't listen. I wouldn't listen. I wouldn't listen. And then finally a, a minister called me out in the service and said, and I, can, I can quote it to you to this day. This was a long time ago. But he said, tell those friends to go down another road while you have a fighting chance to do what God's called you to do. Well, thank you very much for embarrassing me in front of everybody. But I knew exactly what he was saying. And I knew who he was talking about. And I love those friends. And I still to this day love those friends. But our relationship is not what it was. Why? Because I had to make a decision. Do I want God's plan for my life? Or do I want to keep hanging out with my buddies? And sometimes you will have to make that decision. And it doesn't make them bad. These weren't bad guys. Necessarily. They had different interests, different agendas, different priorities than I did. But yet the Lord told me, and I knew it, that for me to accomplish what God called me to do, I had to separate from those guys. Why? And it led me into a season of very few friends because they were my two closest friends. And it was tough. Because I'm like, Jesus, where are my friends at? Who am I hanging out with? I mean, y'all have heard me say this, that when I first got saved on Friday nights, I'd stay home and read the Bible. It's because I had no friends for a little while. I mean, there was a season. <clears throat> it was just me and Jesus, like, holding it down. I'm like, do I want to go watch, you know, something on TV that's going to freak me out? Or do I just, I guess I'll just go read the Bible. You know, America's most wanted, like outside my window, has got to be, you know, coming to get me or something. But no, I, but... I began to pray that God would bring the right people into my life and the right friends into my life. And today I have great friends. I have people that I've been doing life together with for years and years and years. And I don't have to tell them the story because they know the story. I don't have to fill in the blanks. They were there. And so we're able to really have this relationship. And, and, and you may be in that place. 
And, and so there's times, and here's the reason that you need right relationships, is that there are times for all of us, none of us are exempt from this, that our hope begins to fade or our hope becomes a little bit unclear. It becomes foggy at times. And you need to have people that you've been in relationship with, that you've shared your heart with, that you've shared the things that the Lord has put into your heart so that on those days when it gets foggy, you have somebody to remind you. Hey, what did God tell you? What did God drop in your heart? You told me this years ago. And they can encourage you and strengthen you and remind you of what God has said. There's times if you're like me, I get frustrated. That's a nice way of saying I get very angry sometimes. I'm a lot better than I used to be. Frustrated just sounds so much better, doesn't it? Like, oh, I get bothered in my soul slightly. It's like... No, I get frustrated and I need friends to tell me like, hey, you're overthinking this. You need to stop thinking about it. You just keep replaying in your mind. Hit stop and quit thinking about it that way. You're looking because it's skewing the way you're seeing it. And I need people to kind of check me at times. And so do you. We all need these people that will speak truth into our life. What about when we're facing hard questions and wrestling with our faith? You need a friend. You need somebody to sit down with and say, hey, can I talk to you about the Bible? It it may not even be somebody that you have a relationship with, but maybe it's time to create a new relationship. Maybe you need to go find somebody who's not just in your season of life, but maybe in the next season of life and say, hey, could I have lunch with you? Could I have coffee with you? Could we sit down? I've got some questions. I don't understand, but you know, I've got this situation or circumstance in my, in my life. I don't understand this about the Bible. I've got questions about God. Who are you going to sit down and ask those questions to? <clears throat> this is why right relationships matter. I believe that having the right voices to speak in our life is one of the greatest weapons against discouragement. Here's the truth. If you're discouraged this morning, you need a friend. Not just any friend, you need the right friend. You need somebody who's going to speak you the truth and the principles from God's word. Because why? God's word is the manual to successful living. I mean, you don't want to go talk to somebody who's broke about how to have financial success. You want to go find out somebody who has some stability in their life and say, hey, how'd you get here? And then they're going to tell you. I mean, like, I'll just give you an example of this. I had a couple, and this was a number of years ago. It was actually when we were in Arkansas. And they had struggled. We'd pastored there for multiple years at this point. And they had struggled financially from the day we got there. They just always were struggling, always struggling, always struggling, always struggling. Just always, one thing after another. And they finally came and said, hey, can we sit down with you and talk about our finances? And I said, sure, but I have some criteria. And they were desperate and they said, okay. And I said, you have to bring your checkbook and a list of every one of your bills for the month. Like to the penny. Now that's a big ask because how many of you are willing to sit down and just show somebody else your checkbook? But I was gauging, is this going to be a waste of my time or is it worth my time? And so they said, we'll do it. Now, they had asked me about a year prior and weren't willing to do it. And I said, well, when y'all are ready, you you call me. It's about nine months or a year. And I'm no genius, but I am good at math. 
And I, financially, that's, I just, things are simple for me in that area of my life. And I sat down with them and what I, this, was, this was the nugget that I gave them that changed their life. You guys are living paycheck to paycheck, week to week. And so you have money one week and you spend it all and then you forget about the bill that's coming next week. I said, you guys need to start living month to month, not week to week. And so we took it and I said, let's write everything out. Week one, you pay this. Week two, you do this. Week three, you do this. Week four. In six months, their entire financial life had changed and he had bought his wife a car. Six months prior, they were in bankruptcy. What was the difference? They were humble enough to ask a question and to be honest. To this day, their life is different. Not because I'm some genius, but I was able to tell them one little thing that I had learned that had helped me. See, we all need that advice. You're struggling in your marriage? Go find somebody who's been married a long time. How'd you get here? We're at year five and we're about ready to hang it up. Y'all are at year 50. I'll give you an example of this, Miss Donna and Jerry. A while back, um, this has been a while now, but I was talking to, to Donna about, you know, because Jerry, how long have y'all been married now? Six years? Something like that. Is that close? How many? Since 15. I thought you said 15. So since 15. So seven or six, seven years. But I remember because they've both been married previously and they have lost spouses, this and that. And I was asking Donna a question just about marriage and about life. And, and she gave this, just, I was like, what great advice. And she said, you know, because we both lost a spouse, there's just things we don't argue about. Because they just don't really matter. Because she even said, like Donna told me, she said, there's things that I let Jerry get off with that I would have never let Scott get away with. But I realize now that I've lost a spouse, how much that didn't matter. If you don't know, you should have just written that down, by the way. Because that's great wisdom from experience in life. Of saying, you know what, the things that we're arguing about, they're not that important. But see, those little things, and you may be in a conversation, and if you walk away with one thing, then the conversation was worth it. See, this is the power of right relationships in your life. Let me give you some scriptures here. And this is the Apostle Paul, and he's actually given a shout-out a little bit. But here in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, he actually tells us about two people, two groups of people. But he tells Timothy, he says, this you know, that all those in Asia or in Asia have turned away from me. And I'm not going to try to pronounce these guys. I'm going to rename them. Among them are Phil and Herm. (laughs) My boys, everybody has turned their back on me, including Phil and Herm. Like, you know, Phil, you know, Herm, they're gone too. Right? He says, everybody has abandoned me. Let me give you, uh, and Paul's about to talk about this. He's in prison and he's alone. He's in a foreign land. He doesn't have his friends. Everyone has abandoned him. But he goes on and he says, The Lord grant mercy to the household of one Sephorius. What a name. He's the good guy, so I learned how to say his name. One Sephorius. And it says, and I love this. He says, he often refreshed me. And he's not talking about food. What he's really saying is, hey, this dude came and was my friend. He came and found me. He goes on here and it says that he was not ashamed of my chain. He was not ashamed of my imprisonment. 
It says, in fact, when he arrived in Rome, he sought very zealously and found me. How many of you know sometimes you need a friend to come find you in your chains? You need a friend to come and find you in your funk and say, get off the couch. You need some sunlight. How long have you been here with the curtains closed? Like, let's go. Sometimes we need friends that will fight for us. Not just be in our mess with us. I love how it says that that this guy fought or that he very zealously sought after Paul until he found him. See, we need people in our life that will do that for us. That they'll fight for us when we quit fighting for us. They'll pick us up when we've laid down and say, nope, we're not dying here. Let's go. Come on. Let's let's get up. God's not done with you yet. That situation may not look great, I understand, but we're going to pray and we're going to believe God and we're going to see God work and we're going to see God move. I mean, you don't need a friend that tells you they will pray for you. You need a friend who prays for you. (laughs) I mean, like, I'll just give you a little tip here. One of the things that I have been been endeavoring to do is when I tell somebody that I'll pray for them, I just say, can we pray right now? Because I might forget in five minutes, but if I pray right now... It's a good habit to have. And you know, I have found no one has ever told me no. Not one time has anybody said, no, not, now's not a good time. You can just pray about it later. Most people are like, absolutely, let's pray. Why? Because if they're calling, they need help. So here's the other thing I've already kind of touched on is that relationships provide or bring accountability. Now, we think about that like in the negative. Like, oh, you shouldn't be doing that. Why are you over there? Don't be going over there. Why are you talking to them? But actual accountability is somebody who will remind you of who you are in Christ, what the Word of God says about you, who, you, who God says that you are. Like, you need people in your life that remind you, you are not what you do, you are who Jesus says you are. And there's a big difference. And that's not to excuse sin or to excuse areas of compromise in our life. But we are not our struggle. We have been bought with a price. We've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. And I need people in my life that even when I'm stupid say, you're not stupid. You just did something stupid. See, but the enemy wants to convince you. He wants to convince me that I'm stupid and I'm broken. And I, and I need people in my life to say, that's not true. That's the devil talking to you. This is what the word of God says to you. This is the power of having a right relationship. But it takes time. It takes an investment. This is important that we understand these things. That people, what, remind us of the things that God has spoken to us, those dreams, those desires. I mean, I have a good friend of mine who just went through an interesting little season. And he had been on my heart, and and we're one of my closest friends, and I called him. His name's Trey. And I just said, hey, and we talk a couple times a week probably. And I said, hey, I was thinking about you this morning while I was praying. How's my friend Trey doing? I don't mean how is work going. I don't mean how's family going. I mean, how are you doing? You just went through this interesting season and navigated some things. And how's your heart? How's your soul? Like, how are you doing? 
I want to know as your friend, how can I pray for you? Is there anything I can do for you? See, those are the kinds of relationships I'm talking about, that people aren't just kind of shooting the breeze with you, but people that are willing to take the risk to go below the surface and say, how are you really doing? So the flip side of that is, are you that kind of friend? See, the depth of our spiritual life is greatly related to the depth of our relationships with one another. And if we never go below the surface, chances are our spiritual life will be pretty shallow too. So we have to be willing to make the investment, to take the step, to get the courage to connect with somebody. Because it takes courage to put yourself out there. It takes courage to be humble enough to ask a question and say, look, I have no clue what I'm doing. I don't know how to raise kids. Can you help me? And they may say, I can't tell you what to do, but I can tell you a lot of what not to do. Or they may say, hey, I did it well with this one. I didn't do it well with that one. Again, if you learn one thing, one little nugget, it was worth the investment. Don't try to get five things, get one thing. Write it down. Why? Because when you write it down, it's not just committed to memory. It's that old saying, is that a, a dull pencil is better than a sharp mind? I mean, some of us can't remember what we ate for lunch yesterday. Write it down. I mean, you can put it in a journal, you can put it in whatever. I mean, I have, just on my phone, I have a thing of notes where just phrases, and sometimes I'll just start reading through them. Little nuggets, little bits of wisdom that I've gained through a conversation here or there. And you'd be surprised what you'll learn if you'll commit to keep it. There's something powerful about it. I want to to shift a little bit, and I want to talk about being a good friend here for a moment. Because I believe that to be a good friend, that we, we love one another, as the Bible commands us to, but we also have to be truthful with one to another. And so the Bible talks about this, and it actually says in, in John 1 that Jesus came full of grace and truth. And if we're really going to be the right friends, and we're really going to offer the right kind of relationships, I think we need to learn to have both. Because we, by nature, you're going to tend to lean one way or the other. You probably already know which way I lean. I don't lean towards grace. I lean towards truth. Stop that. Quit being stupid. Get up. Let's go. That's my personality. Some of you are just so grace giving. Let's sit down. Let's hug it out. Let's pray. Everything's going to be good. Here's grace and truth. Let me model it for you. Grace says... You're okay. It's going to be okay. Truth comes and says, but this is how it's going to get better. We need both. We really, as, as if we're going to be good friends and offer things, we've got to give grace. In other words, let me say it another way, is that we need to learn how to give care with candor. We've got to give truth, but with care. It, I mean, sometimes we can... Sometimes I can just be too harsh. I know you are just full of grace and mercy and love and truth. And y'all just got this all figured out. But for me, I can be too heavy and too direct. And I have messed up many times. 
I'll give you an example of this. This has been years in the works. The Lord's always been working on me on this. But I, I've been praying for an opportunity. This was when I was uh, on church or on staff at a church in Kansas. I was serving as our youth pastor. And I'd been praying for a while, I mean for months, that the Lord would give me an opportunity to be able to, to share some things with my pastor. But I knew I couldn't just initiate it. He had to. And so one day I, I got my moment. Because usually me and him would get to the office before anybody else. And he came in and sat down in my office. And he said, David, i got a question for you. And I said, okay. And he said, um, what would you change about our church? I'm glad you asked. You want to know my, my actual response? Everything. That's what I said. This guy's got a little big and he kind of took it. Okay. And he was like, can you expound? And I began to go through a list of things. And the problem was, is I gave a lot of candor, but it was not very caring because this man had given 30 years of his life for this church. Well, how many of you know that he couldn't swallow the pill that I gave him? You know, we never had another conversation about that again. Why? Because I didn't have care. I just had candor. And here's the thing. I thought I was right. That was the real problem. I was full of pride. Thinking I knew what we should do. Now, would I still share some of those things today? Yeah, I would. I would do it very differently though. And so what I had prayed for, I squandered in a moment because I didn't respond properly. I wasn't a good friend to him that day. To put it kind of casually. I was a harsh friend. See we have to learn how to have some care with our candor. And some of you need to learn how to have some candor with your care. Because you're just all care. But care without truth doesn't change anything. Let me, let me use this. Let me, let me give you. This will be up on the screen. Is that grace or care without truth is meaningless. Let me rub your back. It's going to be okay. Let me cry with you. Doesn't change anything. It might make them feel better in the moment. The situation doesn't change. So grace without truth is meaningless. Truth without grace is just mean. Hi, my name's David. I have a tendency to be mean. Okay? So I can be. If you know anything about the Enneagram, I'm an eight. You're probably like, mm, shocker. Could have guessed that. So, grace without truth is meaningless. Truth without grace is just mean. But grace with truth is good medicine. Grace with truth is good medicine. And sometimes we need friends that will give us good medicine. And sometimes we need to be a friend that gives good medicine. We have to say it in a way that it can be received. Proverbs fifteen twenty three says this. Everyone enjoys giving great advice, but how delightful it is to say the right thing at the right time. How wonderful it is. Man, I did the right thing. I said the right thing because I'm the one who has said the wrong thing multiple times. I had a friend of mine one time we were talking about this and what he, I'll never forget the way that he verbalized it. He says, so you used a machete when you should have used a scalpel. I'm out there just hacking away. And I needed the skill of a surgeon with a, with a razor. 
I'm in there with a machete trying to do fine tune. <laughs> Who wants to sign up for that surgery? Nobody, right? No, but it says how delightful it is when you say the right thing at the right time. How many of you have had somebody in your life come and share something with you, make us something, that it was the right thing at the right time, and it was like, whoo, light bulbs go off. It's like, that's the answer I needed. Proverbs 16, 23 and 24 says, Pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. It says, There is a way that seems right to a man. Now, this is these verses are connected, by the way. These are just... So it says, pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul. It says, there's a way that seems right to, the, to a man, but in the end, it is the way of death. See, there are probably areas of all of our lives that we think we've got it figured out. But if we had a friend, if we had a mentor, if we had somebody else in our life that could say, hey, I know you think you see this, but I'm telling you, you're not seeing it right. You think it's right, but it's not right, it's wrong. And it, there's pain ahead, bridges out, pay attention. And we're just like, pedal to the floor, let's go. And that's why we need people per, for perspective around us. This is the power of having the right people in our life, the right voices. See, throughout Scripture, we see this time and time again where people were discouraged. They would get weary. They would even get into depression. They would be sad. They'd be overwhelmed. They'd be broken. And God would send them a person just like he did with Paul. His boy showed up and encouraged him time and time again is what the Bible says. Not just one time. He didn't quit. He didn't give up. He kept fighting for him, kept encouraging Paul even as he was in prison. Well, we need that. So I want to give you two things real quick. There are two reasons to give trust a try. Because it requires trust to, to be open to somebody. I'm not going to spend much time on this. But number one is because we're family. In this room right now, and even those that may be online, we're a family. And I know that you may have your natural family and you're thinking like, man, if this is like my family, I ain't trusting nobody in here. Let me just slip over into my eight world. If we're going to have a culture of trust, that means we can't gossip. You know, gossip is actually a sign of spiritual immaturity. Because it means that you can't keep a confidence. And I know, you know, everybody's got to tell somebody. Go talk to Jesus. Leave it with him. But if we're really going to be connected one to another and have real trust, that means we've got to be able to be vulnerable and trust that it stays with me and you. But I'm asking you to give trust a try. Yeah, man, I've been in church and I've had bad experiences. Welcome to the club. Why did you have a bad experience? Because there's no perfect church and there's no perfect people. But just because we've been hurt, and I include myself in this, doesn't mean that I shouldn't allow the Lord to heal me to the point that I can trust people again. It doesn't mean that it doesn't take time. Even old wounds can be healed in the presence of God. Look, I've been hurt immensely in the church. But yet I've seen that Jesus is faithful to heal and to restore. And he always brings me back to relationships. 
I don't get to live a life separate from the body. He calls me to be a part of the body. So here's the second reason why I believe that you should give trust to try is that without healthy relationships, you'll get stuck in your pain. You'll get stuck without healthy relationships to say, hey, we've been here long enough. Let's move forward. Hey, we can't talk about this anymore. Like you just keep rehashing this old thing, man. We got to move. We got to move forward. We got to we got to start taking some steps into what God has for us. So I love you, but I, I love you too much to leave you right here. My buddy Trey, I mentioned earlier, I had a situation in my life and I just kept talking about it. He finally told me one day, he said, hey, I don't know if you're done talking, but I'm done listening. The bad friend. Actually not, it's what I needed to hear. I needed somebody to tell me enough. Because here's the thing, as long as I kept picking at the wound, it festered. And some of you are dealing with wounds that you've had for a long time and you keep talking about it. And it's like you're picking at the scab, wondering why it's not getting better. You need to forgive and release it to the Lord so that healing can come. You need friends around you to say, hey, we're not talking about that anymore. I would encourage you actually to tell somebody, hey, I'm forgiving this situation, this circumstance. I need you to hold me accountable. uh, I let them go. So we don't want to stay stuck in our pain or our shame. Even in that, when we can get stuck believing the lies of the enemy. We can believe something about us that Jesus and the Lord has never said about us. Why? Because we get stuck up in our own thoughts. Just a hamster on a wheel, rehash and rehash. And we need people to bring perspective and say, that's not what, who God says you are. That's not what God says about you. See, we believe that we are actually better together. That's why we're called Life United. That when we do life together, there's strength. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen, the the verse, and everybody will know is that iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens his friend. The Passion Translation says it this way. I thought it was kind of funny. It says, "It takes a grinding wheel to sharpen a blade." If you've ever used a grinder, some of us are a little more hard-headed than others. Just use it that way. It says it takes a grinding wheel to sharpen a blade, and so a friendly argument can sharpen a man. In other words, I need friends that I can disagree with. They can disagree with me and we're still in relationship. I had a friend one time that I was pretty close to told me that he said, I don't believe that that a friend would talk to me like this. And I wasn't being ugly, but I was stating facts to him. And I said, well, if we can't have this conversation, I don't know if we're actually friends. Because as long as it's just always mutually beneficial... Like, I need a friend that will go to war with me. I need a friend that will go to bat for me. I need a friend that has my back. And that doesn't mean that we always agree. Sometimes, I mean, I'll say that I need more than just a friend. I need a brother. Like, I need somebody that, man, we're in it. Good or bad. We can hug and shake it out later. But right now, we might slug it out. That's okay. Because I know I need that. Just like this grinding. The Amplified Bible says this is that uh, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens and influences another through discussion. That's why we have to be around one another. We have to be intentional. Everybody's life is busy, but it's just about what you think is important. That's what you're going to make time for. 
Proverbs 25, verse 11 and 12, it says this. It says, the right word at the right time is like a custom-made piece of jewelry. And a wise friend time, or a wise friend's timely reprimand is like a gold ring that slipped onto your finger. I've shared this verse many times, but it's in Proverbs. It says that faithful are the wounds of a friend. They're painful in the moment, but in the end, it, it shows what they said was right and that they cared for me and that they wanted the best for me and they were willing to speak the truth. They were willing to take those relational risks to tell me to stop it. Quit acting foolish. They were willing to do those things. See, the other side of this coin is that some of you need to make yourselves available because you have life experiences and, and you think, well, nobody wants to hear from me. They do more than you want. I, I recently, uh, there was a church, a friend of mine did a poll of their young people, of, of their youth. And they said, what would you tell your parents? Like, what would you like your parents to know that you won't tell them? That's basically what they said. And multiple students said the same thing. I wish they knew that I actually wanted to learn from them. I actually want to hear their stories. I don't want them to know that I want to know. But I, I really do want to learn from them. It's kind of interesting, right? And some of you in this room have years and even decades of experience. And you've believed that the enemy has told you that you have no value to add. You have tremendous value to add. And maybe your role or your function has changed. You know, there was a book I read many years ago called, um, oh shoot, it's John Eldridge's uh, Wild at Heart. Years ago, and it talks about the stages of even a man's life, right? And it talks about how you go through these different phases, but you go from being the cherished son to being the cowboy, to being the warrior, to being the, the, the king, and to being the wise old sage. That's basically the paraphrase of the book. So if you haven't read it, there's the cliff notes for you. But this isn't just true for men, but I believe that the problem is that many times we're trying to live in the wrong season of our life and we're trying to do what we used to do, not realizing that we're in a new season. And for some of us, we're still trying to serve God in an old way and God is calling us into a new season. Said, hey, you're not the warrior anymore. You're still trying to fight a battle that, no, go let somebody else fight the battle. There's some warriors that need the wisdom of your battles though. And they need to learn from you because you have, you have value to add to their life. And yet you'll listen to the, the enemy in his lies and they'll say, oh, no, God's done with you. Move over. Let somebody else come in. No. Go look in the book of Acts. Everybody's included. The young, the older, the seasoned. And you, everybody's there. I believe the healthiest church is actually a generational church. I think you need three generations. To really have a healthy church. I believe this. Two's not enough. And you've got to have a vibrant three generations to have a healthy church. I really believe this. Because everybody's contributing. Why? Because it's the biblical model. Think about this. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. He's generational. So it's not always just having friends that are your equal. Sometimes it's those behind you. Sometimes it's those in front of you. You need those relationships. See, real fulfillment comes when you begin to share even what God has done in you. And it doesn't matter where your, where your season is, where your life is. 
Proverbs eleven twenty five says that a, a generous person will prosper and whoever refreshes others will themselves be refreshed. In other words, if you give out, it'll bring life to you. It, it'll do something in your soul. See, even, and I mentioned this earlier, is that even Jesus himself did not do life alone. But there were layers. There were times where Jesus had 500 people with him. There were times Jesus had 70 people with him. There were times that he had the 12 disciples. There were times where it was just the three. The Garden of Gethsemane, kind of all chips on the table. Jesus took three people to the garden and said, hey, y'all got to pray. And the Bible says even in that, that there was John who was the closest to Jesus. We all need people in our corner. Jesus didn't do life alone. We can't do it alone. So here's my encouragement. Be like Jesus. Have some friends. Have some relationships. Have the courage to connect. Look, there's lots of ways that you can do this. You can do it in a group. You can do it getting on a team. You can be part of the dream team. You're like, well, what's that all about? It's about using your gifts for the glory of God. You're uniquely wired. For a God-ordained purpose. So you get to use your purpose, but you also get to build some relationships with others. It's just two simple ways that you can kind of build some some right relationships so that the power of God and and the work of the Holy Spirit can actually go to a whole other level in your life. But you got to put yourself in a place for that to happen. So this morning, I want to pray over you. I'm going to pray, number one. That you're going to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Hey, there might be some relationships. It's, t- it's time to let them go. And that's tough, and I, I totally get it. But it might be time to say, you know what? I don't, I don't have to hate you to say, hey, we just need to create some separation. It doesn't mean that I totally abandon those relationships either. If those guys called me today and said, I need you, I would be there. Well, it's not, it's not that, but it just says, hey, you're not helping me get to where God wants me to be. So I need to create some distance. I'm also going to pray that God's going to, for those of you that want this, I'm going to pray that God's going to bring the right relationships into your life. But you got to be open to it. I can pray it, but if you ain't open, it ain't going to happen. I'm just being honest with you. So those are two things I'm going to pray for. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us and show us both camps. Who do I need to be in relationship with it? And who do I not anymore in the same way? And I'm going to pray. And then I believe that the Holy Spirit's going to speak to you and show you these relationships. So, Father God, I just thank you so much for this morning. Father, I thank you for your word. Father, I thank you that your word brings light and illumination and clarity to our minds. So, Holy Spirit, I thank you that right now that we open up our hearts to you and ask you, Holy Spirit, to speak. I thank you that we have ears that hear you accurately and clearly. That even the faintest whisper right now, Holy Spirit, I thank you. That even the, the faintest nudge in our, in our heart, that Holy Spirit, we, we hear and that we respond to. And so, Father, I thank you right now. And Father, for both of these sides of relationships, Father, I thank you that if there's relationships that it's time to, to step away from and to move away from so that we can create the space to have some new relationships. Father, I thank you that you're giving us the wisdom to know where do we invest and where do we withdraw from. Father, I thank you that you also give us eyes and a heart to, to comprehend and understand those that we need to be in relationship with. Maybe it's a shoulder-to-shoulder friend, somebody running in the same season of life. Maybe it's more of a mentor, somebody who's in that next stage of life from us. Father, I thank you that you're helping us see those connections, those, those God-ordained connections, those people that you've placed in and around us to be a benefit and a blessing to us. Father, I thank you that you're helping us to navigate 
these relational dynamics to be able to be connected with those that we need to be connected with so that we can accomplish all that you have for us to do. Father, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, would you guys stand up with me this morning? And uh, I'm going to invite our prayer team up this morning. If you're here and you need prayer for anything today, it doesn't matter what it is. I say it every week. If it matters to you, it matters to God.